Hey everybody, thanks so much for listening to this podcast. I hope it's really helping you grow in the Lord. But I just wanted to take a second just to talk about this great tool that I've been using to bring the Word of God to people. Anchor is a tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast to listening platforms like Spotify and Apple Podcasts and a lot more. So it's really been helping me reach people that I can't go to their house and actually teach them a Bible study. So it's everything you need in the podcast in one place. The best of all, Anchor, and it's totally free. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome to the Word Bible Study with Pastor Dan. We are here again to go through the word of the Lord and spend time with God together. Today we're going to be talking about the good shepherd. How many of you guys believe that God is a good shepherd over our lives? He cares for us. He takes care of us. He provides for all of our needs. And today we're going to go through the Bible and we're going to see where it talks about how good of a shepherd he is. So turn with me. First foremost to Psalms 23. Starting in verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul, and he leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. And thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is a powerful scripture, and we hear it quoted all the time. And I just read it in the King James Version. But we're going to break it down a little bit and talk about it. It starts off with, The Lord is my shepherd. And the complexity of that statement is deep. Shepherds are throughout the Bible. We see that there are several places where God uses the shepherds. So it shows that His love for the shepherds because they care for something that's lesser than them. Sheep are not on the level of the shepherd. So the shepherd has to take care of them and love them and give them guidance and make sure they don't hurt themselves. And that is a great example of what our Heavenly Father is to us. But then it says, I shall not want that God will supply all of our needs. He is the good shepherd. He knows what we need better than we do. No one tells the shepherd what the sheep needs. He knows what the sheep need more than the sheep do. The sheep would actually cause themselves harm if they did whatever they wanted. But the shepherd knows what's best for the sheep. He makes me lie down in green pastures. God is the one who gives us rest. We find our rest in Christ because he causes us to lie down and take time for rest and recuperation. He leads me beside the still waters. Even when everything is crazy in life, there's also times of peace and calmness. And it's God who leads us into those times in our life. He restores my soul. That is the thing that Christ did the most when he came to earth, wrapped in flesh, in squaddling clothes, and he became the lamb sacrifice for our sin. He restored our soul when he did that. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. It is Jesus alone who can cause us to walk a life that is righteous. He's the one who has to lead us down that path in order for us to live for his name's sake. And yea, though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we fear no evil because our God is with us. And like a staff of a shepherd, he uses his word to protect us and to make sure that we're safe in this world that's full of wolves and very evil, dangerous people. 
we know that we've got a shepherd standing beside us that can protect us. He prepares a table before our enemies. So even when our enemies are trying to attack us, God sets us down and feeds us and takes care of our needs. And he anoints our head with oil. Now, sheep are known for being irritated by the pest and the bugs that will cause irritation in the sheep's eyes and ears. So the shepherd will anoint their head with oil to keep the pest from bothering them. So Christ doesn't even want the pest in this world to bother us. So he anoints our head with oil. Now this is also, of course, a reference to the Holy Ghost and him filling us with the Holy Spirit, which helps guide us through our life as well. But then it also says, my cup runneth over, that I always have more than enough in my life because of God. And surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Being able to dwell in God's house alone is a blessing. To be at the feet of the master of the universe is one of the greatest blessings we get. That comes from being a part of the flock that belongs to the great shepherd. So now let's go through the Bible and see some examples of shepherds in the Bible. We're going to start in Genesis in the beginning, chapter 4. Alright, so Adam and Eve give birth to two sons, Cain and Abel. And starting in verse 2, when they grew up, Abel became a shepherd, while Cain cultivated the ground. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. But Abel also brought a gift, the best of the firstborn lambs from his flocks. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. So right away, God accepted the shepherd's offer. There was something about a shepherd that brought his firstborn pure lamb sacrifice that God knew that that was like him, they, that this shepherd had a heart like God that would give his firstborn as a sacrifice to please God. And you can keep reading the story, but we should know it by now that Cain ends up killing his brother Abel and spilling his blood. And God hears his blood crying out and it causes a lot of trouble on earth. That's the first time that the wages of sin are paid in full. And Abel, in this incident, is a sacrifice, in a sense, because it was his blood that was shed. So God has a kinship to shepherds, and we're going to continue to see that here. Let's continue to flip forward in Genesis to chapter 47, starting in verse 1. Then Joseph went to see Pharaoh and told him, My father and my brothers have arrived from the land of Canaan. And they have come with their flocks and herds and possessions, and they are now in the region of Garrison. Joseph took five of his brothers with him and presented them to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh asked the brothers, What is your occupation? And they replied, We, your servants, are shepherds, just like our ancestors. So here Joseph's saying that there were a long line of ancestors of shepherds. And Joseph, of course, is one of the children of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the 12 children of the 12 tribes of Israel. So we have here the first covenant that God made with his people was with a shepherd. And God continues this covenant with the shepherds and the people who are shepherds because that is the characteristic that he wants his people to have, just like God is our good shepherd. We're supposed to be good shepherds here on earth as well. And we've got a great example because God is the good shepherd. And we're going to see some more about that here in the Bible. Let's go to 1 Samuel 17. And let's read another amazing story of a great shepherd in the Bible. Who will eventually become known as King David. But right now he's just going to be a little shepherd boy. So starting in verse 1, Now the Philistines now mustered their armies for battle and camped 
between Soko and Judah and Azkah and Emphasdamon. Saul countered by gathering his troops near the valley of Elah. So the Philistines and Israelites faced each other on opposite hills with a valley in between them. And Goliath, a Philistine champion from Gaul, came out to the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. He was over nine feet tall and he wore a bronzed helmet and his bronze coat of mail weighed 125 pounds. He also wore bronze leg armor and he carried a bronze javelin on his shoulder. The shaft of his spear was as heavy and thick as a weaver's beam, tipped with an iron spearhead that weighed 15 pounds. His armor bearer walked ahead of him carrying a shield. Goliath stood and shouted a taunt across to the Israelites. Why are you all coming out to fight, he called. I am a Philistine champion, but you are only the servants of Saul. Choose one man to come down here and fight me. If he kills me, then we will be your slaves. But if I kill him, you will be our slaves. I defy the armies of Israel today. Send me a man who will fight me. When Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. Now David was the son of a man named Jesse, an Ephanite from Bethlehem in the land of Judea. Jesse was an old man at the time, and he had eight sons. Jesse's three oldest sons, Eleb, Abinadab, and Shema, had already joined Saul's army to fight the Philistines. David was the youngest son, and David's three oldest brothers stayed with Saul's armies. But David went back and forth so he could help with his father and the sheep in Bethlehem. For forty days, every morning and evening, the Philistine champions shouted in front of the Israelite armies. One day, Jesse said to David, Take this basket and roasted grains and these twelve loaves of bread, and carry them quickly to your brothers, and give these ten cuts of cheese to their captain. See how your brothers are getting along, and bring back a report on how they are doing. David's brothers were with Saul and the Israelite army in the valley of Elah fighting against the Philistines. So David left the sheep with another shepherd. So here's a sign, he's a shepherd. <laughs> and set out early the next morning with the gifts as Jesse had directed him. He arrived at the camp just as the Israelite armies were leaving for the battlefield with the shouts and battle cries. Soon the Israelites and the Philistine forces stood facing each other, army against army. David left his things with the keeper of the supplies and hurried out to the ranks to greet his brothers. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gaul, came out from the Philistine ranks. Then David heard him shout his usual taunts to the armies of Israel. As soon as the Israelite army saw him, they began to run away in fright. Have you seen the giant? The man asked. He comes out each day to defy Israel. The king has offered a huge reward to anyone who kills him. He will give that man one of his daughters for a wife, and the man's entire family will be exempt from paying taxes. David asked the soldier standing nearby, What will a man get for killing the Philistine and ending the defying of Israel? Who is this pagan Philistine anyways that he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God? That's awesome. The living God. David got it. And these men gave David the same reply. They said, yes, this is the reward for killing him. But when David's older brother Elib heard what David was asking the men, he was angry. What are you doing around here anyways, he demanded. What about these few sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? I know about your pride and deceit. You just want to see the battle. What have I done now, David asked. I was only asking a question. He walked over to some others and asked the same thing and received the same answer. Then David's question was reported to King Saul, and the king sent for him. Don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight the Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. But David persisted. I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, 
I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If an animal hurts me, I catch it by the jaw and I club it to death. I have done this both with lions and bears, and I'll do the same with your pagan Philistine too. For he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescues me from the claws of the bear and the lion will rescue me from this Philistine. So David's job was to take care of the sheep, and he understood that God gave him the strength to care for this flock. And if he would just protect them and go against the evil forces that come after him, that God would give them the strength to protect them. And here he's also saying God's going to give them the strength to defeat this giant that's standing in the way of Israel. Because Israel is God's people and God is the shepherd over his people. So Saul finally consented. All right, go ahead, he said, and may the Lord be with you. Then Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet, and a coat of mail. And David put it on and strapped the sword over it, and took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never worn such things before. I can't go in these, he protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off again, and he picked up five smooth stones from the stream and put them into his shepherd's bag. Then, armed with only his shepherd's staff and sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. So here's the Philistine armed with all the greatest armor that the world can give you. And here a man of God with a shepherd's staff and smooth stones in a bag sets out to fight this giant. This is a beautiful story of how our life is and how we're supposed to be shepherds and go after the giants in this world and take them out. Goliath walked out towards David with his shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at his ruddy-faced boy. Am I a dog, he roared at David, that you come at me with a stick? And he cursed David by the names of his gods. Come over here and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals, Goliath yelled. David replied to the Philistine, you come to me with sword, spear, and javelin, and I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut off your head, and then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people and not the sword and the spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. As Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him, reached into his shepherd's bag, and taking out a stone, he hurled it with his sling, and it hit the Philistine in the forehead, and the stone sank into Goliath, and he stumped and fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone, and he had no sword. Then David ran over and pulled Goliath's sword from his sheath, and David used it to kill him and cut off his head. So David was a shepherd, a man after God's own heart, and he ended up becoming the king and, and running the kingdom and leading them to a closer relationship with God. This was probably the greatest time in Israel's life is when they were under the reign of the King David, the man after God's own heart, and a good shepherd over God's people. Now, let's go to Luke chapter 2, and we're going to read about the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And in chapter 2, starting in verse 8, the night that Jesus was born, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, and the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped in snuggling in strips of cloth, laying 
in a manger. So the angel comes to them and tells them, out of everybody on earth that Jesus could have invited to his first birthday party, he sends an angel to invite shepherds in the fields. That goes to show you how much God cares about shepherds. We're supposed to be shepherds in this world. We're supposed to care for the lost and the hurt and the weary. That's what we're supposed to be doing. And God loves men who have the heart of a shepherd. And it says here that they would find the baby wrapped in snuggly strips of cloth in the New Living Translation. But it's supposed to be wrapped in swaddling clothes. And the swaddling clothes was a white cloth that they would save for the the youngest lambs, the pure white lambs that were born, and they would wrap them in these cloths. And that was to represent the fact that Christ was the spotless lamb that was going to be slain for the sin of the world. That's what they were looking for. They were looking for the Messiah that was supposed to be the spotless lamb. And suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven praising God and saying glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see the thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the valley and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby laying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone about what had happened and of what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. So I think it's awesome that God had shepherds at his first birthday party. And he continues to encourage us to live a life just like that. Now let's go to Ezekiel chapter 34. And we're going to hear what God has to say about himself being the good shepherd. Starting in verse 11. For this is what the sovereign Lord says. I myself will search and find my sheep. I will be like a shepherd looking for his scattered flock. I will find my sheep and rescue them from all the places where they have scattered in the dark and cloudy day. I will bring them back home to their own land of Israel from among the people and nations. I will feed them on the mountains of Israel and by the rivers and in all the places where people live. Yes, I will give them good pasture land on the high hills of Israel and they will lie down in the pleasant places and feed in the lush pastures of the hills. I myself will tend my sheep and give them a place to lie down in peace, says the Sovereign Lord. I will search for my own lost ones who strayed away, and I will bring them safely home again. I will bandage the injured and strengthen the weak. I will destroy those who are fat and powerful. I will feed them, yes, feed them justice. And as for you, my flock, this is what the Sovereign Lord says to his people. I will judge between the one animal of the flock and another, separating the sheep from the goats. Isn't it enough for you to keep the best of the pastures for yourself? Must you also trample down the rest? Isn't it enough for you to drink clear water for yourself? Must you also muddy the rest with your feet? Why must my flock eat what you have trampled down and drink what you have fouled? Therefore, this is what the Sovereign Lord says, I will surely judge between the fat sheep and the scrawny sheep. For you fat sheep pushed and battered and crowded my sick and hungry flock until you scattered them to distant lands. And I will rescue my flock and they will no longer be abused. I will judge between one animal of the flock and another. And I will set over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he will feed them and be a shepherd to them. And I, the Lord, will be their God. And my servant David will be a prince among my people. I, the Lord, have spoken. 
And when he's talking about his servant David, remember, Jesus comes from the line of David. So he was referencing David, and he was referring to Jesus. And that is powerful. Now let's go to John chapter 10, and let's hear it out of the mouth of Jesus. Starting in verse 1, I tell you the truth, anyone who sneaks over the wall of the sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate must be the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And after he's gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they know his voice. For they don't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. So I think it's amazing that sheep are one of the only animals that actually do come by name. Shepherds will name their sheep, and their sheep will remember and know their name. And they will recognize the voice of their shepherd. That's powerful. I want to make sure that I can continue to recognize God's voice and make sure that he is the shepherd leading me through this life. Those who heard Jesus use this illustration didn't understand what he meant, so he explained it to them. I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who come before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep didn't listen to them. Yes, I am the gate, and those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pasture. The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. But my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. That is the devil's main goal in our life, is to steal, kill, and destroy. But God comes to give us a rich and satisfying life. And that is why he says in the next verse, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't care about the sheep. That's powerful, man. If we're going to be a pastor and we're going to look after the sheep, we shouldn't be in it for the money. We should be in it for the sheep. We should be in it for the souls. I am the good shepherd, and I know my own sheep, and they know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, so I sacrifice my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep too, and they are not in the sheepfold. I must bring them in also, and they will listen to my voice, and there will be one flock with one shepherd. The Father loves me because I sacrifice my life so that I may take it back again. No one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily, for I have the authority to lay it down, and when I want to, I also take it up again. For this is what the Father has commanded. That's some powerful, powerful statements. And that's the same authority that Jesus hands down to his fellow shepherds who shepherd the flock under him, under his authority. Hallelujah. Now let's go to Matthew chapter 9, and we're going to see the need for shepherds, and we're also going to see God call some people to do some shepherds' work. And we're going to pick it up right at the end of chapter 9 and then go into chapter 10. So starting in verse 35. Jesus traveled through all the towns and the villages of that area, preaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into his fields. So this was the Lord's prayer, that he saw how people were like sheep. They were lost and helpless. That's how God sees sinners. He doesn't see them as terrible, awful human beings. He sees them as lost and helpless sheep. 
and he prayed to God to send us to help them. So Jesus, we're going to continue in chapter 12. Jesus called the 12 disciples together and gave them authority to cast out evil spirits and heal every kind of disease and illness. Here are the names of the 12 disciples. Simon, Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew, James, Theoditus, Simon, and Judas. So these were the first 12 that Jesus chose and sent out. And now we're the same called disciples that are sent into the world today. We are the sheep among wolves. So continuing in verse 5, Jesus sent out the 12 apostles with these instructions. Don't go to the Gentiles or the Samaritans, but only to the people of Israel, God's lost sheep. Go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, and cast out demons. Give freely as you have received. Wow, that is a very powerful instruction that we should still be living by today as the church and the body of Christ. We're still under that same authority. We should be going out. We should be preaching about the kingdom of heaven coming. Healing the sick, raising the dead, casting out evil spirits, curing leprosy, every form of disease. So let's continue though. Don't take any money in your money belt. No gold or silver or copper coins. Don't carry a traveler's bag with a change of clothes or sandals or even a walking stick. Don't hesitate to accept hospitality because those who work deserve to be fed. Whenever you enter a city or a village, search for a worthy person and stay in his home until you leave the town. When you enter the home, give it your blessing. If it turns out to be a worthy home, let your blessing stand. If it does not, take back your blessing. If any household or town refuses to welcome you or listen to your message, shake its dust from your feet as you leave. I tell you the truth, the wicked cities of Sodom and Gomorrah would be better off than such a town on Judgment Day. But you realize here that he said when you enter a town or a village, find a worthy home and first give it your blessing. Don't judge it off the bat as being a bad home. First give it your blessing. If it turns out that it's not worthy, then take it back. Now let's continue. Look, I am sending you out as sheep among wolves. So be as shrewd as snakes and as harmless as doves. But beware, as you will be handed over to the courts and will be flogged with whips in the synagogue. You will stand trial before governors and kings because you are my followers. But this will be your opportunity to tell the rulers and other unbelievers about me. When you are arrested, don't worry about how to respond or what to say. God will give you the right words at the right time. For it is not you who will be speaking. It will be the spirit of your father speaking through you. So if you're filled with the Holy Ghost, we ain't got to worry about it. The Holy Ghost will fill our mouth with his word. A brother will betray his brother to death, a father will betray his own child, and children will rebel against their parents and cause them to be killed. And all nations will hate you because you are my followers, but everyone who endures until the end will be saved. And when you are persecuted in one town, flee to the next. I tell you the truth, the Son of Man will return before you have reached all the towns of Israel. Students are not greater than the teacher and slaves are not greater than their master. Students are to be like their teacher, and slaves are to be like their master. Since I, the master of the household, have been called the prince of demons, a member of the household will be called even worse. And here's the call where Jesus is telling us to be like him and to be a good shepherd like he is. We're supposed to be like our master. We're supposed to be like the good shepherd. But continuing here, don't be afraid of those who threaten you, for the time is coming when everything that is covered will be revealed, and all that is secret will be known to all. What I tell you now in the darkness, shout abroad when daylight breaks. When I whisper in your ear, shout from the housetops for all to hear. Don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. 
They cannot touch your soul. Fear only God who can destroy both the soul and the body in hell. What is the price of two sparrows, one copper coin? But not a single sparrow will fall to the ground without your Father knowing it. That's how powerful our Father in heaven is. He is such a great shepherd that he even knows when a sparrow falls to the ground, let alone when one of his loved creatures cries out to him. And the very hairs on your head are all numbered, so don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. Anyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, I will acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But anyone who denies me here on earth, I will also deny before my Father in heaven. Don't imagine that I come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. I have come to set men against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Your enemies will be right in your own household. If you love your father and mother more than you love me, you are not worthy of being mine. And if you love your son or daughter more than me, you are not worthy of being mine. If you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you are not worthy of being mine. And if you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. Anyone who receives you will receive me. And anyone who receives me receives the Father who sent me. If you received a prophet as someone who speaks from God, you will be given the same reward as a prophet. And if you receive a righteous people, because of their righteousness, you will be given a reward like theirs. And if you give even a cup of cold water to one of the least of my followers, you will surely be rewarded. That's powerful. That is God letting us know that our job on earth is all about loving God and loving everyone around us. We should give up the things of this earth and cling to Jesus. He is the only answer to this life. And he is a good shepherd that's going to lead us and guide us down the path that we need to go down in our life. So let's continue here and let's flip forward a little bit to chapter 25 where we're going to hear about the final judgment. Starting in verse 31. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne all the nations will be gathered in his presence and he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats he will place the sheep on his right hand and the goats on his left then the king will say to those on his right come you who are blessed by the father inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world for i was hungry and you fed me and I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink, or a stranger and show you hospitality, or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of those my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Then the king will turn to those on his left and say, Away with you, you cursed ones, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. For I was hungry, and you didn't feed me. And I was thirsty, and you didn't give me a drink. And I was a stranger, and you didn't show me into your house. I was naked, and you didn't give me any clothing. And I was sick and in prison, and you didn't visit me. Then they will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and not help you? And he will answer them, I tell you the truth. When you refuse to help the least of any of my brothers and sisters, you are refusing to help me. And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. 
So that's God showing us the easiest way possible. If we love the people around us as if they were Christ, we will be welcomed into heaven by the great shepherd. That's powerful, man. That really should encourage us to go out and love everybody we come in contact with. If we do it to the least of them, we're doing it unto Christ himself. That's all the encouragement we need. We should be loving everyone we see today. Because that's exactly what Christ would do. He would heal them if they were sick. He would pray for them. He would cast out demons. And he would show them the truth that Jesus Christ came and died to free them from the bondage of this world. To deliver them from sin and sickness and all the other junk that the devil has drug into this life. Jesus Christ is the only answer. He's our good shepherd and we need to make him the head over our life. We need to put him in that place of authority where he has the power to lead us and follow him. Be led by his voice. Let the Holy Spirit's voice speak into your life today. I'm, I'm, I'm praying that prayer over your life. If you're listening to this today, let the Holy Spirit lead and guide you. You'll never get lost. Now let's hear what Paul has to say to some of the elders that he meets with in the book of Acts, chapter 20, starting in verse 18. You know that from the day I stepped foot in the province of Asia until now, I have done the Lord's work humbly and with many tears. I have endured the trials that have come to me by the plots of the Jews, and I never shrank back from telling you what you needed to hear neither publicly or in your homes. I have had one message for the Jews and the Greeks alike, the necessity of repenting from your sins and turning to God and of having faith in our Lord Jesus. And now I am bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. I don't know what awaits me, except that the Holy Spirit tells me in city after city that jail and suffering lies ahead. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. And now I know that none of you to whom I have preached the kingdom will ever see me again. I declare today that I have been faithful. If anyone suffers eternal death, it is not my fault. For I didn't shrink from declaring all that God wants you to know. So guard yourself and God's people. Feed and shepherd God's flock, his church, purchased with his own blood, over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as elders. I know that false teachers like vicious wolves will come in among you after I leave, not sparing the flock. Even some men from your own group will rise up and distort the truth in order to draw a following. Watch out. Remember the three years I was with you, my constant watch and care over you night and day, and my many tears for you. And now I entrust you to God and the message of his grace that is able to build you up and give you an inheritance with all those he has set apart for himself. I have never coveted anyone's silver or gold or fine clothes. You know that these hands of mine work to supply my own needs and even the needs of those who were with me. And I have been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. So that is... Paul's instructions to the elders of the church and this is the life that we should live as good shepherds taking care of the flock that God has left in our care until the great shepherd returns one day now let's hear one more instruction on how we're supposed to be good shepherds and this time from the mouth of Peter the man who walked with Jesus and learned from Jesus hand in hand and we're going to go to 1 Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 21. For God called you to do good. We are called to do good, first and foremost. Even if it means suffering, 
just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example, and you must follow in his steps. So these are his steps that we should be following in. He never sinned nor deceived anyone. And that's how we're supposed to be living, guys. I know the world tells us it's okay to sin, but the Bible says it's not. And we're supposed to be living sin-free lives. And the Holy Ghost will empower us to live that way. And we're not supposed to be deceiving anyone. <laughs> we're not supposed to lie. It's nice to be honest. And that's what God expects from his people. He did not retaliate when he was insulted. Now that one's a little hard. <laughs> But again, this is what we're called to be like. We're called to be like Christ. And he didn't retaliate, nor threaten revenge when he suffered. Wow, so we're supposed to be keeping our mouth quiet while we suffer. We don't use our mouth to threaten revenge. And we're supposed to be like Christ. He left his case in the hands of God, who always judges fairly. And... <laughs> We are supposed to leave our cases in God's hands. If we're done wrong, we're not supposed to be seeking to get revenge on everything that's done to us in our life. We're supposed to be leaving our case in God's hands. And we're also supposed to know that He judges fairly. He will not let us be mistreated, and He will not let sin go unpunished. The only reason why God allows bad things to happen is to give time for people to repent. But ultimately, it is his goal that we have a good, healthy, full life. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we could be dead to sin and live for what is right. That is a powerful, powerful scripture there. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. And of course, that, that is exactly what we learn throughout the Bible is that we're supposed to be dead to sin. When someone says, hey, you guys want to go to the bar? No, I'm dead to sin. I don't feel anything from doing that. I'm dead to it. I'm numb to the excitement that you feel from doing sin. As a matter of fact, I see it as something that offends God. That's, that is amazing. We get to live a life that is for the right. By his wounds, you are healed. Once you were like sheep who wandered away, but now you have returned to your shepherd, the guardian of your soul. And today, if you haven't returned, if today you're one of those sheep that has been led astray, this is God calling you to return to your good shepherd. Let him reestablish the way you should be led in your life. Let him point out the paths in your life so that you can live a rich and full, satisfying life. Because he is the good shepherd. He's going to take care of you better than you could ever take care of yourself. My life is definitely proof of that. Now let's flip forward a little bit to chapter number five and this is probably gonna be the last passage i read and we're gonna start it right from verse number one and now a word to you who are elders in the church i too am an elder and a witness to the suffering of christ and i too will share in the glory when he is revealed to the whole world and as a fellow elder i appeal to you Care for the flock that God has entrusted to you. Watch over it willingly, not grudgingly. Not for what you will get out of it, but because you are eager to serve God. Don't lord it over people assigned to your care, but lead them by your own good example. And when the great shepherd appears, you will receive a crown of never-ending glory and honor. In the same way, you younger men must accept the authority of the elders. And all of you serve each other in humility. For God opposes the proud and favors the humble. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God. And at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God. For he cares for you, just like a great shepherd. 
Stay alert. Watch out for the great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your Christian brothers and sisters all over the world are going through the same kind of suffering you are. In the kindness God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you have suffered a little while, he will restore, support, and strengthen you. And he will place you on a firm foundation. All power to him forever. Amen. That is some great encouraging words for us to continue to think about in this year coming forward. We want to be good shepherds of the flock that God has placed in our life. There are people that are in your life today just so that you could lead them to God. So let's remember that and let's be an example of how Christ led the church with love and compassion and always caring for the people that he came in contact with. That's how we're supposed to be to everyone we come in contact with. So let's pray for the sick. Let's heal the sick. Let's raise the dead. Let's cast out evil spirits. And let's continue to lead people to Christ. Because Christ has put the same power and authority in us that he used on earth. So why don't we go to prayer today and talk to our heavenly good shepherd. And Jesus, we worship you today, God. We thank you for this time in your word, God. And learning about your characteristic, God. We love that you are a good shepherd and that you care for us, God. You take care of all of our needs, God. And every time we run into trouble, you're right there, Lord, to help us and to guide us out of there, God. You are the light in our dark world, Lord. And we want to lead everyone around us to you and let them see that you can make them better, God. And you can take all the things that this world has piled on them and you can strip it all away, God, and show them an easy path to salvation through your son and his shed blood on the cross, God. We worship you, God, and we thank you for spending time with us in your word today, God, and continuing to lead and guide us every day, Lord. We worship you, God, and I hope that this touches the lives of everyone who hears it and that they will turn to you and let you be the shepherd of their life, God. We worship you and praise you and thank you for everything. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you, everybody, for joining me. Once again, I'm so proud and humbled that you would listen to this podcast and let me help encourage you to follow after God. So let's continue to be good shepherds in our lives and let's continue to let him be our good shepherd. And until next time, may God bless you.